0: you're listening to the midweek service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Pamela Butler. To learn more about us, please visit HarvestBibleOnline.org. Well, welcome everybody. Welcome all of those who are online. Oh, is it when it's red? Is that where I'm supposed to look? Thumbs up somebody? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you didn't hear earlier, Pastor Mark is in Oklahoma. We all sing Oklahoma where the wind comes rustling down the plains and the waving wheat. I was in that play in high school. (laughs) Ah. Anyway, he is having a good time. Um, He's freezing, but he's having a really good time. I don't know. Has anybody else been uh, tuning into the broadcast you can watch it online. Um, they have live stream, and it's been really good. And so I've been, um, they're two hours ahead of us, so it works out great. I can sleep in, you know, while they're <laughs> at church. I'm waking up, oh, perfect, this is great. So, um, but anyway, he's having a really good time, and, um, you know, a lot of our good friends are there, and uh, we went last year. Last year I got to go, and it was so snowy that... um a lot of the planes were, you know, landed, and so we we made it in, and it was like really cold then. And so I stayed behind because my son um, came home on Tuesday from uh, Ukraine. <laughs> Hallelujah! Yes, and um, we we prayed to him home, and he's trying to go back. So he's <laughs> he's in love. And uh, I can say that because I know he's not watching. So, uh, <laughs> watch tonight. He'll hone in. But um, any rate, he is uh, he is here. And um, hallelujah, God God answered Mama's prayer and Grandma's prayer. So we we prayed that boy home, and he's home safe. So, Amen. Yes, praise God. All right. Well. Let's uh, let's get into the word. I'm really excited to share tonight. You know um, what I want to share is going to be just touching just the surface of of this teaching. It's one of my most favorite things to teach on, and um, I I want to kind of. Uh, lay this down, hopefully Pastor Mark will let me come back, and I can <laughs> I can he'll always let me speak, and I can uh do some more on this because there's just so much to what I want to speak on what the Holy Spirit has given me to speak on, and I'm so excited because um because it's worked in my life, so let's pray before I get too far ahead of myself. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we praise you for your word. Lord, I thank you for all these beautiful men and women that are here tonight, God, your children, God, that you love so much, that, God, you have created in your image, God, they have plans and purposes, things to fulfill in your kingdom, and the enemy would love nothing more than to sabotage the call of God in their life, and so, Father, I just thank you that the works of the enemy will be exposed tonight, and that, God, you would just continue, God, to set us free. And that, God, we might be more and more free and more useful in your hand, Father, we ask. In the powerful name of Jesus, I thank you that your word is anointed. I thank you that it goes forth. And, God, it will hit the mark. You sent your word and healed them. I thank you that tonight's word is going to bring healing. And uh, we just thank you for that, Father, right now. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I want to, I just felt led when I was uh, doing worship. I want to start with Romans chapter 8. I want to read this. It wasn't in my notes, but I feel led to read this first because it's important for us to understand this, really get it into our heart. And um, in Romans chapter 8, beginning reading with verse 31, it says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? So who is on your side? God. Okay, so this is Wednesday night, so this means you all get to talk back to me. Not not mouthy, but you get to talk back to me. Who is for you? Right. God is for us. So who, that's anybody, right? Who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own who's the accuser of the brethren satan, satan that's right so and and, then, and i love this because anytime there's accusations be, the father behind accusations is always the enemy but it says god has chosen us for his own it says no one for god himself has given us right standing with himself righteousness um who then will condemn us No one for Christ Jesus died for us and raised us to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading an intercession for us. And I love this. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? But do you ever feel separated from the love of God? I mean, be realistic in your heart. Have you ever felt like God didn't love you? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? For as the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I love this, and I'm convinced, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither my fears for today or my worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, the, <clears throat> one of the most important things for us to, to really understand is the depth of the love God has for us. That nothing can ever separate me from the love of God. And, um, but you know, we have an adversary, and like I said just a minute ago, that there are things that God wants to do in your life. There are assignments that God has for you. There are plans and purposes and, you know, and and the enemy comes to sabotage the the things that God has for us. And sometimes we don't really understand why he has access in our life. If I'm a born-again, spirit-filled believer, why, why does it seem that the enemy still is sabotaging the plans of God in my life? And I want to talk to you tonight about the power of agreement, the power of agreement, agreement means to accept, to agree, to assent. It means to approve of something such as an idea or a suggestion, especially after much thoughtful consideration, you agree, you approve of something. You make an agreement. I agree with this and an agreement is a contract. And, and so what I want you to, to uh, really get the understanding tonight is that we, as children of God, can still be having agreements in our life with the devil. And these agreements will keep us in bondage. And, and, and you ask, well, how? How in the world am I keeping, how am I having agreements with the devil? I'll tell you how. By being in agreement with him, by what he has said about you or says to you. He may be talking to you about sickness, fear, failure, insecurity, losses, anger, lust, addictions. There's these areas that people still struggle with because they have an agreement with the enemy. They believed what he said about them and they never resisted it. They never broke that agreement by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And so we wonder why we struggle in our lives and we wonder why we're not making it. Now there's there's more more things that we can look at. We can look at, you know, um sin. Sin is a, is an absolute open door for the enemy to have access into our life. But I'm not necessarily talking about sin. What I'm talking about is agreement. That means that that Satan has said something to me and I never dismissed it. I never took authority over it. And said no. And so, um, and so, so many times. How many times have we seen people? You just kept, you just came to these big meetings with give right? Many of you came forward. You got hands laid on you. The power of God touched you. You went down under the power. You may have shouted. You may have got slapped some oil on your head. <laughs> you know. And some of you, you you. you testified I was healed some of you testified I was delivered and then you go back out the door and you begin in your life and the struggle and the sickness pops up again and you're like I thought I thought he prayed that thing off of me and I want to tell you that open doors happen when when things are in our life and I don't break agreement with the enemy and this is so important church If I can get you to understand that the enemy is a thief who comes to still kill and destroy. And until I break that contract with him, until I break that agreement with him, he still has a hold in my life. And therefore I struggle with things. People struggle with addictions. Like I said, with, with all kinds of different things. Maybe you struggle with lust. Maybe you struggle with, struggle with, with alcoholism. Maybe you struggle with you having a potty mouth. (laughs) you just can't get that tongue under control. You know, your thought, your life is still a mess. And, you know, and you you have all these things in your life where it just seems like you're being tormented. I want to propose to you, you might have made an agreement with the enemy and you've never refuted it. Now, um, we're going to look in the word of God because this is such a deception. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. And I want, to, I want to show you because um, when we began to look at the word of God in the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them authority, right? He said, go and take dominion. You know, he, they were given authority over this earth. They had dominion over the things of this earth. They had authority. But what happened is that in chapter 3, verse 1, and this is where I want to pick it up, um, we are introduced to... To Adam and to Eve and to a third little character who is called the serpent, and um, and this serpent, the Bible tells us in Revelation twelve uh, verse nine, he, it, it references it this way: John said that that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world. So we know that this serpent is you know is Satan himself right? He's the one. And so when we begin to look at the character of Satan, we're going to begin to understand how Adam and Eve transferred their authority over to Satan. Okay? And um the the reason this is this is so important. Let me let me just back up to a scripture in John 8:44. Let me just read this to you, but you can write it down if you want. John 8:44. Jesus said this. This is important for you to know. He said, for you are the children of your father, the devil. He's actually talking to the Pharisees here. And you do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he's consistent with his character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Now, Jesus says something really important here. He says, so when I speak the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. You see, when you... When you are believing the lies of the enemy, it's hard for you to believe the truth of what God says about you. And as long as I'm, I'm believing the father of lies and his deceptions, I can't ever receive the truth of what God says about me or what God says for me because I just, I can't, I, I, I'm, I'm hooked in agreement with the enemy. And so, um, so it's very important that, that what you believe really influences you. Now, let's look here. Uh, let's begin reading um, verse chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that God had made. Shrewdest. Let's, let's bring some definitions to this. Shrewdness. Shrewd. To be shrewd means to be sharp and clever. Satan is not some... If I say the devil, some of you might have automatically started picturing a guy with red horns, a pitchfork, you know, uh, you know, just, you know, he, he's clever in that sense that, you know, we don't, we don't really know the power that he has. We, you know, we don't really, we, we don't, we don't really know our adversary and you need to know your adversary because how I know him is how I know how to take authority over him. And so he's, he's clever, He is, he's very sharp and it says in some translations that he's crafty. And this is such an amazing word because to be crafty means they are clever at achieving one's aims by indirect or deceitful methods. Indirect or deceitful methods, they're very subtle. And that's exactly how the enemy's been feeding you. All your life from when you were a child, you might've heard things spoken over you, but, um, uh, let's, let's just read on here. All right. Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Well, of course, we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. For God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. He won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. For God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, here is the enemy. He's being very subtle, and he's... he's, throwing the bait out, and I want to show you where she hooks herself into agreement in verse 6. It says, the woman was convinced. If I go back to that word agreement, it means that I approve of something such as an idea or a suggestion. She's listening to what the enemy is saying, and it's really about God, and she, it says that she was convinced She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, Delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her, so she took some of the fruit, and she ate it, and then she gave to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. Now, at this point, there's a transference of authority. Because of disobedience, because of disobedience, that authority that God gave Adam and Eve, he is now handed over to the power of the enemy, of Satan, and, um, and so, I, I, w- I want to read something. This was from a commentary I, th- I thought was really good in, about this scripture. Listen to this. It says, Consider how clever Satan's tactic was. He subtly made a suggestion rather than an argument to discredit God's authority, casting doubt about God's credibility. Satan asked, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Through the tone and the inflection of his voice, Satan implied that there was doubt that God told him the truth. And this is shown by the way Eve replied, and so she corrected him. She knew from the inflection of his voice that he was really asking a question and casting doubt. When she replied, she overcorrected. And like a good salesman, the serpent got his victim to agree with him. And getting the victim to say, yes, yes, yes. And then, I'll buy it. Eve was already influenced when she gave her reply because she overcorrected. Satan successfully magnified God's strictness in her mind, reminding her that the way is narrow, and she began to agree with him. Now listen to this line. This is powerful. Thinking about God in terms, the serpent wanted her to think. I'm going to read that again. She began to agree with him, thinking about God in the terms the serpent wanted her to think. You see, Satan loves to distort your view of who God is. Satan wants you to think he's a taskmaster. Satan wants you to think that he's not powerful. Satan wants you to think he's holding back from you. Satan wants you to think, you know, cast doubt about who God is. And that's exactly what happened, So she began to agree by saying yes, yes, yes to the Salman's ploys. Satan immediately minimalized the penalty and said, saying an outright lie, you shall not die. And then to clinch the cell he offers her a reward, you shall be like God. And what a price she paid. Satan offered a reward that must have seemed so big to Adam and Eve that they could not afford to reject it. But what he offered was enough to reorient their lives and this is where I want to I want you to start you know listening to what the Holy Spirit is trying to say is that you know God has has created us for a purpose we look at Psalm 139 God created you with purpose he formed you in your mother's womb. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. God purposely created you. And, um, and Satan loves to come and distort, first of all, you know, which I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but he, he loves to distort uh, who God is. Who, 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 what kind of God he is. And you can see that through all the education that's coming in the world today. You know, the distortion about, um, about God and, um, the distortion about who we are. And, um, and the enemy is doing a fantastic job of distortion because he is a deceiver of the whole world, the Bible says. But hallelujah, there is victory in this message. When I believe the lies the enemy has said to me, I become. An agreement with him. Now Satan's lies can come in the form of something that's been implied to me. It can come as something that was suggested to me. Something that someone I looked up to that had authority over me. That spoke over me. For instance, like your teacher, your mom, your dad, your grandparent, your brother, your sister. Whoever it is. And maybe they said things like, you are not smart. You are are just too small. (laughs) You're too dumb. You're too fat. You're too skinny. Uh, How about this one? The enemy loves this one. He loves to tell you, you'll get breast cancer because it runs in your family. Or you'll get dementia because it runs in your family. Or how about my marriage won't last because our family is cursed and there's just bad marriages. There's all kinds of divorces. How about... I am an addict and I'll always be an addict because that's just who I am. Now, these are lies of the enemy. These are things that Christians actually believe, right? How about if you suffer from depression, the enemy says to you, you'll always suffer depression because mental illness runs in your family. You can't be set free from that. How about you can never be used by God because your past is too dirty. It's too ugly. It's too broken. You absolutely blew it. And you can never, ever be used by God. These are lies of the enemy. How about your children? They'll never be saved because they're too far gone, they're too full of hate, they're too full of the devil, and they're just too lost. Has you, have you heard some of these lies? Has the enemy kind of spoken some of these to you? How about you might as well stop trying to be a good Christian, stop going to church, because you will always sin and you'll never be set free. Your life is is cursed now there's a lot of christians a lot of people that think that there's their life is cursed and how about this lie? your lineage is filled with witchcraft and evil and therefore you will always suffer from what your ancestors participated in you will just have to live life like this for the rest of your life now these are lies that the enemy says to us that knowingly or unknowingly, if I have not broke that agreement with that lie, it, it hasn't affected an me, and that's why some of you, you know, you 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 go through different struggles in your life, and you know, I, I know in in like uh, for years there was a spirit of infirmity that it, that would attack me, and I, I remember years ago when I first started doing worship, you know. Um, I would have all sorts of, you know, uh, church groups call me, you know, like women's uh, retreats and women's aglow. And, and they would, you know, i book it in my calendar and I would have, you know, do worship for all these different ministers. And I'm feeling great. And the day of, all of a sudden my throat would go sore. And by the time the service came, my voice was gone. I kid you not, this happened, service after service, after service, after service. And I remember I was at a retreat one time, and um, I, on was this cold was coming. I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. And um, and I said, well, I have just enough voice to get get the song started, and Holy Spirit, you're going to have to take over from there. And he certainly did, and I realized, well, he really doesn't need me anyway. <laughs> he didn't need my voice, you know, he doesn't need my voice. My, uh, Oh, hallelujah, you know, (laughs) um, but it took me a while to realize, oh my gosh, that is a spirit of infirmity. That's trying to steal the gift of God in me from doing worship. And, um, you know, and, and even though, and, and you heard my testimony of how, you know, I used to have migraine headaches and for years going back years, you know, the enemy just, you know, my, if you had migraines, they're debilitating. And it got so bad that, you know, uh, I would have, I would go to the emergency and they knew me by name. They knew, they called it a cocktail. You know, they knew the kind of medications they were going to mix up for me. And I mean, I was doing morphine and I was doing all kinds of heavy stuff to knock that puppy out. And, um, you know, it, it was horrible. It was starting to affect me, you know, uh, You know, because I, I, I was going in so much per month that I, I had to quit my job. I was, like, laid up in bed, and I was just a mess. And then you're on all these medications, because then they were trying to try me out on all these different medications. Let's try her on seizure medication. Let's try her on heart medication. Let's try her on this medication. And let's try her antidepressants. And let's try her on upper depressants, or up, upper presence. And You know, they were just trying all these things. i mean, I was giving myself shots. I was, you know, giving myself heart pills. I mean, I tried everything, and they just were getting worse and worse and worse. And I remember the day that you know, um, you know, was called out. Someone here has migraine headaches, and I threw my hand up. I'm like, Oh my God, yeah, that's me. And I came forward and. You know, I felt just like I talked about early. I felt God's power touch me. I went down under the power of God. I knew that day that God delivered me from migraine headaches. I knew it was a demonic attack. And I knew it was a strategy of the enemy to try to stop me from serving God and try to stop me from living. And I remember the next day, I got the worst migraine I had ever had. I And I told myself, I will not take you to the hospital. I am not going. If you die, you die. But I will not go. I am standing on the promise that God healed me last night. I refuse to believe that I'm feeling. And I refuse to give in to my flesh and my pain. And I'm throwing up and throwing up and just sicker than a dog. And I and all day, I was just I, I was really bad. By the next day, it was gone. Now, if you know migraines, that does not happen. Migraines just don't go. You know, you got to knock those puppies out. <laughs> you got to hit them in the head. And, um, and I never had another migraine since. Now, have I had an opportunity to have a migraine? Absolutely. I mean, come on. I, I have puppies that chewed up my coffee table. I may be pretty mad. I, I, my blood pressure is going up. You know, I, I've had plenty of opportunities to have a really bad headache, but I've had to take my authority because I break that agreement. That spirit of infirmity will not have me. It will not stop me. Satan, you have to go. I am not going to be sick like this for the rest of my life. I refuse to be crippled by your power because the greater one is inside of me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I learned, I had to learn that I had to stand up to the enemy. Sometimes you you want people to lay hands on you and you want them to do all the work. You want them to prophesy, you know, speak your future. And then you assume when you walk out the door, it's just all going to happen. But we become a participant with what God wants to do in our life. God, God says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He has sent you and I to complete the Will of God upon the earth He needs you He's not going to do the work He's already done the work Through Jesus Christ And he's given his authority To you and I We have to be the ones That stand up To the lies of the enemy The Bible tells us In Proverbs 23, 7 That as a man thinketh In his heart So is he As a man thinketh So if the enemy Gets you thinking That you'll never be set free from this addiction. You will always have this problem. You will always struggle with this. You will always go through this. You will always have mental illness. You will always be depressed. You will always be sick. You will always be stupid. You will always be inadequate. You will never be enough. As long as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And the world has caught on to this. This is a biblical spiritual principle. But there's a there's a whole move out in the world. This positive, you know, um, teachers that go out and you know they they even use this scripture as a man thinking this, in his heart. So is he? They know the power of a positive mind. The the power of a positive confession. I mean, the enemy's taken that, but it's the churches. It's ours. This is our inheritance. And so, what you think about yourself really matters. If you are sitting in your chair right now and you struggle with insecurities and you struggle with feeling like maybe God doesn't love me, maybe I went too far this time. That is the lie of the enemy because I just read to you over in Romans chapter 8 that nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. You are never so far gone that the power and the love of Jesus Christ can't come and pull you out of that pit. God will never, ever give up on you. He did not come to the earth for perfect people. He came as a Savior to redeem us people who were held in bondage by the power of that lying serpent. Amen? Wow. I got, what, what do we we end at eight? (laughs) I got seven minutes and I, I, I know what he goes through now. I'm just getting warmed up. Wow. All right. When Adam and Eve, when we just read this in Genesis chapter three, you don't see Adam ever resisting the enemy. Well, we can have a sermon about that, huh, ladies? The next women's retreat, we're going to talk about that one. <laughs> no. You never see Adam resist the enemy or Eve. You don't see him fighting back. You see him simply submitting to this agreement. They believed that God wasn't being truthful. In all history, we see great men in the Bible who were unable to resist the same kind of temptations. We saw King David. He struggled with, remember he saw Bathsheba and he had lust in his heart. And then, then that boy, he didn't just like stay there and, you know, watch her. He went and called her. He, you know, they had a, this love affair. She gets pregnant. And then he's like, oh, Lord, I got to cover up my tracks." So then he calls her husband home. I mean, the boy's just digging himself deeper. And he wants her to go sleep with his his wife, and he's like, and the, you know, and her husband's like, he's faithful. He's going to be faithful to all the men that are out at war. He refuses to go home with to Bathsheba. So David's like, oh, how am I going to hide my sin? Ah, oh, I know what I do. He goes and he has her husband killed in battle, so that he can make Bathsheba his wife. I mean, come on, David kind of submitted some, to some little temptation there, don't you think? What about the prophet Elijah? Elijah, I mean, he's, he's like calling fire down from heaven. He's killing the prophets of Baal. And then, you know, um, one woman, you know, is threatening to kill him. And the Bible says that he despaired of his life. He became despaired and depressed and he was begging God to kill him. Because he's believing, somehow he's believing, he's so despaired, something the enemy is saying to him that, you know what? I don't even think I need to live anymore. We're talking about powerful men of God that were still unable to resist temptation. Peter, how many times did he deny Jesus? Three times. He walked with Jesus, the son of God. And then after all of that, he felt like an absolute failure. Now Satan's tempting him with this. God will never love you. And we see that that's why Jesus goes and he really ministers to Peter about, Peter, do you love me? Go feed my sheep. He's restoring that love. He wants Peter to know that, hey, I love you. And I have a plan and I have a purpose for you. But Satan even tried to mess up Peter twice in that. And there's just, there's just so more uh, until we get to Jesus. And this is like, I'm running out of time. I'm getting to the best part. We get to Jesus. This Bible calls him the second Adam. And Jesus, really quickly, turned to Matthew chapter 4. We're just going to have to fly through this really quickly. But Matthew chapter 4, <coughs> excuse me, Matthew chapter 4 is the temptation of Jesus. Now it's Jesus' turn, right? He's... He's. We got to remember, Jesus is all man and he's all God. But when he's fighting Lucifer, when he's fighting Satan in this temptation, he's not fighting him as the son of God. He's fighting him as an all man because he has to represent you and I. Jesus wins the victory where Adam lost the victory. Okay, this is important. Um, Really fast. Uh, Matthew chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he became very hungry. And during that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are, if you are the son of God, then tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus said, what? No. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city of Jerusalem and to the highest point of the temple. And he said, hey, if you are the son of God, then jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. But Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not tempt the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said, I will give it all to you. If you will kneel down and worship me. And Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. In in Luke's gospel, he actually says that Satan was going to come back at an opportune time. You see, we have to be vigilant because our adversary seeks whom he may devour. And just because you conquered him at this altar and you were delivered and you were healed and you were set free doesn't mean that when you walk out that Satan's not going to try to come back and try to tell you the same lie. And you have to be, resist him just like Jesus and say, no. Because the word of God says... And this, and again, I I, I wish I had more time. I would love to break this down about the, the lie of identity, um, the lie to make something happen, the lie of twisted truth, the lie of the easier way, but I, I will have to come back. You know, I'm just like, what my husband says I'll have to unhitch and come back. But, but what I want to leave you with tonight is that I have to know that God has given me authority. And so let, let's, let me leave you with that one. In Luke chapter 10, because I am responsible to resist the enemy in my life because, well, let's look at this real quick. I'm going to jump on ahead of myself. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17, when the 72 disciples came and they returned, they joyfully reported to Jesus, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He was cast out of heaven. Look, I have given you who? Who's got, who, he says, who's he given? He's talking to the, yeah, he's talking to them. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you, but rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. So, snakes and scorpions is this is talking about demons this is talking about demon power because the demons are subject to to the the disciples in his name and if we go and we begin to you know go a little deeper in here you're going to see that that authority was not just given to 72 disciples but it was given to the church you have been given authority by what jesus has accomplished on the cross. The Bible says, it says that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus said that. And now he tells us, so now you go and you make disciples of people. You cast out the sick. You lay hands on the sick and see them recovered. He has given you authority. So what, what I want you to see is that if, if there's something in my life I just keep tripping on, there's something that I keep struggling with, then somewhere I must have believed the lie of the enemy. And I've never come against it. I've never said no. I don't believe that. I break my agreement with you because, and, and Jesus lays this whole foundation of understanding for us that first of all, you have to resist. You resist the devil and he flees. You have to say no. And then you come back with the word of God. There is, I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how brilliant you are. You are nothing in comparison to the power of Satan. But who is so powerful and so much greater, the Bible calls him the stronger man, is Christ in you. The authority that is in you. So when I come against the powers of Satan, I'm raising up Jesus inside of me and I'm saying no. No. I break my agreement with you. I don't believe that I'm stupid. I don't believe that I'm ugly. I don't believe that I'm worthless. I don't believe that my children will never be saved. I don't believe that I'll be an addict, an addict the rest of my life. I don't believe that I have to live with depression. I don't have to believe, you know, I, I was, um I remember years ago, I was going to counseling and, um, you know, my my testimony, I have I have a crazy testimony. I have a crazy testimony. It's something that's pretty personal because there's more people involved, but but my testimony goes way back to my childhood and so I I was in this professional counseling place and I don't know this counselor, he had something against me. I don't know. He called me um poker face. And he, I'd come and he'd go, poker face. You know, singing that Madonna song, or is she Madonna? I don't know who sings poker, poker, poker face. Anyway, he would call me poker face because he would try to get me to cry, and he could never get me to cry. And then, you know, he he just kept badgering me, and and he knew he knew all the things that I had gone through in my life, you know, abuse and you know all kinds of different things, and and he said, you know, Pam, I'm going to tell you something. There are veterans that struggle with what's called PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. And he said, you know, they come back from war and, you know, they're so traumatized by what happened in the war that they can be here, you know, in the, um, in the States and they can hear, you know, a uh, firecracker go off and something triggers in them, PTSD kicks in and they dive behind a bush because they're, they're just, they're triggered by post-traumatic, they're traumatized. And he said, Pam, you won't, you have PTSD and you will always have PTSD. You're just going to have to learn to live with it. And something rose up in me and I said, no, that is not the kind of God that I serve. That is not the kind of promise that God has in, has in his word for me. Whom the sun sets free is barely free indeed. Is that what it says? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And the Bible tells me that the truth will set me free. And this word is truth. And so every lie of the enemy, I I challenge you to to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, where am I in agreement with the enemy? Where have I been? Took the bait. Where am I in alignment with him? You know, whatever it is, generational, uh, you know, marital, whatever it is. and, and, And begin to identify those things. Ask the Holy Spirit, show me where I'm in agreement. And you break that agreement by saying, no, I break that agreement. I do not believe that. And then I challenge you to find a scripture, find it in the word, the truth of what God has to say about you or has to say about that situation. I'm telling you I am a witness. I have been set free. Amen. I I have, I, you know, I I had and I've shared this before when Pastor Mark and I were married, you know, I still struggle with night fears. I mean, I I would wake up and I couldn't breathe. I I was in Have you ever had a panic attack? You can't breathe. You can't take a breath. And terror takes a hold of you. And I I tell you, The Holy Spirit and my wonderful husband, (laughs) I had to go into the very subconscious where the enemy had crept in with fear. But nothing, nothing is so powerful that God's blood, Jesus' blood cannot set you free from. If you're struggling from things in the night, I'm telling you, God is greater too. He can set you free from that too. So I challenge you identify where have I been in agreement with the enemy? I, I wish I could go more. There's, there's a whole lot more into this, but, but you need to know, and this is the truth, okay? This is the truth I want you to grab. As a Christian, only if you're a Christian, a born-again Christian, you got Jesus Christ living in you. That means you have authority, over the enemy, over all the power of the enemy. I don't care what he says, what he does, how he manifests himself. You let the greater one rise up in you. You come against him in Jesus name and Satan has to leave. He has to bow down and he has to go in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Father, I just want to thank you. We thank you for truth. God, we thank you for freedom. God, I thank you, God, right now that wherever the lies of the enemy have, uh, have been embedded into them, I th- ask right now, God, your word is light. And I pray that the light of revelation and understanding would just come into their mind and their heart right now, that you would reveal every lie of the enemy every area that he's been sabotaging them, that he's been lying to them, that he's been holding them captive. Jesus, you came to destroy the works of the devil. And I ask right now that the enemy would be exposed in every heart and every mind in this room. And God, I pray, I thank you, Jesus. You want us not barely free. You want us completely free. And so Holy Spirit, just begin to speak, begin to move, and begin to completely set us free from all the powers of the enemy. We ask in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.